Those, Daniel 12, 3, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Okay. And in Proverbs eleven thirty, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. Okay. So as a, we are all working together to win as many souls to Christ. And this is important. I told you, excuse me, that as we do this, I don't want to preach. I, I don't. I'm not comfortable preaching an entire message on hell. Uh, oh, that's another doctrine of the devil, that hell exists. He heaven exists, but hell doesn't. I'm sorry, y'all. You know what? You can't make people be what you want them to be. How are you going to make God be what you want him to be? You see what I'm saying? I mean, even Burger King, have it your way. I want it free. Sorry, we meant well, that's what y'all said. <laughs> you can't make people do, they, you know, these companies, they promise you all this. You can't make people do anything. You can't make people do what you want them to do, but you're going to make God do and be what you want him to be? No. You better learn how to accept that dude for who he is and recognize that he sent his son to save all mankind, and you can accept him. If you don't, you sent yourself to hell. God didn't send you. I don't believe God would send. You're right. He doesn't. You sent yourself. He sent you a remedy. He said, Jesus went to hell for you, so you don't have to. All you have to do is accept him, and you don't have to go there. You can come up with us. We rescued all of mankind. If you reject that, that's on you, dog, not on us. So I will mourn more, not every week, but from time to time. Well, while we're on the evangelism piece, I will mention certain things. Last week, we talked about the creatures that are in hell. So I'm going to read these scriptures again and then add a little bit to it. And then we'll talk about a letter. The letter is going to trip you out. Matthew 25, 11. I'm mean, sorry, Matthew 25, 41. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Prepared for who? The devil and his demons. Hell was not created for mankind. You will only go there because you reject Jesus Christ. It was created for the devil and his demons because of how horrific they are. Isaiah 14, 9 through 11, the NSE, NASB version. Hell from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses for you the spirits of the dead, all the leaders of the earth. It raises all the kings of the nations from their thrones. They will all respond and say to you, even you have been made weak as we are. You have become like us. Your pomp or your prosperity and the music of your harps have brought have been brought down to hell. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you, and worms are your covering. Isaiah 66, 24. And as they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. All who pass by and view them will view them with utter horror. Job 24, 19 through 20. The grave consumes sinners just as drought and heat consume snow. Their own mothers will forget them. Maggots will find them sweet to eat. No one will remember them. Wicked people are broken like a tree in a storm. Last one, Mark 9, 47 through 48. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Everybody said, you can have that. I told him I'd take a chance on a lot of stuff. I was joking all the time. I take chances on all the time. I mean, you took chances on investments and you lost the money. 
I take chances on speeding when I'm going out of town. Speed limit is 70. I'm doing 85, looking for the police, praying for angels to reveal them. Totally out of order, by the way. Just totally out of order, asking God to reveal the police while you're breaking the law. This <laughs> type of stuff we do. Take some chances. I'm not taking no chance on this. Got to say this every week. To the atheist and the agnostic, okay, if I'm wrong and you're right, I just simply lived a nice, clean life. Helped my community, was an honorable man, and I helped society and not hurt it. Okay? If the atheist is right and I'm wrong, then I just lived a nice, clean life. Okay? That's all. Like I told them a couple weeks ago, even if you don't believe in God, the Bible still enhances every area of your life. There's a company that won an award by that. It was an award on uh, national prosperity. You had to write an article. And this, uh, this head of this company, he won it because he proved that even if you don't believe in God, if everybody just kept the commandments, the whole planet would be completely different, and he won the award. Okay? So if, if, so if they're right and I'm wrong, then I just was reading something that was fake, but it enhanced my life and enhanced my family and enhanced my children and, and different things like that. But if the atheist is wrong and I'm right, they hit. I'm good either way. Y'all got what I'm saying? So I'm happy. Okay? So, so this is the reality of that place. Okay? Now, let me say this. There are animals in planet Earth. There are animals in planet Earth. There are animals in heaven. And there are animals in hell. The animals in planet Earth are kind of what we consider regular. The animals in heaven are very, very extreme on the beautiful side. The animals in hell are very, very horrific on the evil side. Okay, so for example, you know, um, let me say this, that Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God was giving men visions in the Old Testament. He was giving visions to people in the New Testament, and he still gives visions to people today. God is not a respecter of persons. Now, he chooses and picks who he gives these visions to. Sometimes angels will come and they will take a person to heaven. Other times, um, a person will have an open vision or a dream. God picks and chooses who he does, who he uses because of certain reasons. One of the main reasons why God does not give people more visions of heaven is because they'll do crazy stuff like quit their job. And the Lord doesn't want you to quit their job. Um, some people, they'll get up there and they don't want to come back. And they'll come back sorrowful. Okay, my uncle, he had an experience where the Lord let him experience the rapture. He said he was just, um, he said he was just caught up. And he said his, his skin was coming off and the new body that the body promised you, his new body was coming upon. He said it was the most exhilarating feeling. He said there's nothing in planet Earth like it. And he said he was operating at a phenomenal rate of speed. He said he got right to the gate of heaven. And Jesus said, stop, you got to go back. He said, I just gave you this experience because of how faithful you are. He said, but I also gave you the experience to let you know that time is short. There's still more work to do. So be about father's business. And even though my uncle had a family and small children, he begged the Lord not to send him back. Just what he saw at the gate. He never went in heaven. He just got up to the gate. And just what he saw at the gate, he begged Jesus not to send him back. Okay. So. So and then the other thing is sometimes the Lord doesn't give people that experience because he'll give you an experience of heaven. Now you think you're better than people. Look at what the Lord gave me. I must be better than y'all. No, fool. We all going there. So what are you talking about? You know, it was just a vision. You know what I'm saying? You know, so so that's the reason why hell is much worse. God has to pick and choose specifically. Now, he does that because 
People don't want to believe the Bible. They don't want to believe the preachers. They don't want to believe their grandmother. They don't want to believe their mother. They don't want their father. They don't want to believe anything, including what nature shows you. Okay. And so, um, um, and so he ups it and gives people visions and different things like that. And so in heaven, you, there's a, a website called spiritlessons.com. 30, 40 books written by people who have been caught up to heaven, caught down to hell. All of the books are free. You can read the books on the website free or you can listen to it by audio. Unreal. The stuff is all free. I mean, it's powerful stuff. And, uh, and so, uh, so listening to the accounts of one lady who was talking about how um, up there, how the, 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 the children ride butterflies and, and the children ride do, uh, dragonflies. And, I mean, these are butterflies that are the size of a car, you know. And, I mean, just the animals up there and how, you know, the flowers, everything in heaven has life. Actually, everything in planet Earth does too. But everything in planet heaven has life. It is living. It has a technology. Watch this. In heaven, the flowers are smarter than men in the planet. Literally, it's an intelligence in that place that is just beyond belief. It's an intelligence. And so as a result of that, it's just I mean, it's amazing. I mean, imagine imagine being able to sit down with a group of flowers and have a conversation. Or every time you enter into your mansion, hopefully. I mean, I read this testimony and and the lady said every time I walk back into my mansion, she said the flower beds have created another song for me that I've never heard before. And every song new that they create is much better than the previous one. But the previous one is one you want to listen to forever. It's a place where joy cannot be comprehended. Okay, so earth is middle ground. Heaven is extreme prosperity. Hell is extreme poverty. Okay, so that's why here it talks about maggots. Okay, Bill Wise, when he was called down to hell, he said he saw maggots the size of cars. He said he saw spiders the size of buses. And... Um, yeah, you're like, if I just see one in my house, I'm standing outside until, the, you know. <laughs> you know, I deal with that in my house, Daddy. Uh, I need you to come kill this bug. Okay. I mean, and I want you to imagine being in an environment like this where everything hates you, including the darkness. You know, and y'all remember in Scripture when it talks about the Scripture says there is one group of angels that are on another level of evil. And it says right now, it says, y'all remember that in the Bible? It said, I think it's. Uh, might be Jew, I can't remember. And it says there's a group of angels that's right now chained underneath the planet. It says that they are held right now in everlasting chains until the final judgment. We don't, they've been there, watch this, them dudes have been there for 6,000 years in a prison right underneath this planet, right underneath, okay? It says they're held in everlasting chains. Well, he, and, and hell, most people don't know this, but hell is actually underneath the planet. Bible tells you that. The Bible tells you that hell is underneath the planet, and it tells you that heaven is in the north. It's just so far north, we don't have technology to even see that dimension, let alone, you know, they're going to try to get a spaceship, you know, and, y'all, we can't even hardly get to the moon and back (laughs) without blowing up a couple of things. You know, you're never going to (laughs) happen. And so, um, so heaven is in the north, okay? That's why the Bible says promotion comes from the east, west, and the south. No, it says promotion does not come from from the south and the east and the west, but it left out the north because that's where promotion comes from. You got to pay attention to the scripture and keep reading it religiously. I mean, when it leaves out certain things, it left it out for a reason. Okay. All right. Let me get back to reality where I'm at here. Okay. So in heaven, there are some very, very extreme creatures. And you remember the ones that are God's throne. So you have some very beautiful ones, but you also have some creatures in heaven that are beyond creativity. 
God's creativity and his genius is way beyond what we could ever comprehend. You can harness the power of every man and woman in this planet and it still would not equal 0.1% of how God thinks. So y'all talk, you know about those creatures that are at the throne of God, like his bodyguards, and it says that it has four faces. Can you imagine looking at something like that? How big is the thing? Where it says the front, and it didn't say it had a man's face, it didn't say it was a man. It said, it said one's face was like that of a man. It says this face was like that of an eagle. This face was like that out of an, of an ox. And this face was like that of a lion. This is a four-faced creature. And it says that it had six wings. It says six wings, it covers its feet. Other wings, it covers its face. And other wings, it flies around. And it says that this creature, or these creatures, it has eyes all on the outside of his body and all on the inside of his body. I don't even know if I want to see that when they get to heaven. But see, this is what I mean by God is far beyond your creative ability. God, y'all, God does not stop where you stop. Okay? God starts where you stopped. He just keeps on going. Okay? So there are creatures up there. But unfortunately, there are creatures that are in hell that are horrific. So the ones that I was telling you about that are chained to the wall, Bill Wise says when he was down there in hell, he's looking at all of this and he's being tormented. He, the Lord allowed him to be tormented without feeling it. And it was deep. You know, he said, that, I mean, there's nothing there that has life. There is no air, there is nothing, no water, no nothing. So you're suffocating, but you don't die. <sighs> okay. And so, but he said that when Jesus came and rescued him, because he was there for, is it 29 minutes? 23 minutes. The Lord left him there for 23 minutes to experience this, to come back and warn mankind. And thousands have been given their life to Christ as a result of it. And so he said, because, and see, the Lord used somebody like him because he wasn't a preacher. He was a real estate agent. The Lord uses people like that. He'll use as many people. If you don't want to believe a preacher, he'll use your family member. He'll use your grandmother. And he said when he was coming out of that hole, he said he saw those creatures. Because the Bible says they're held up against the wall. He said he saw them. He said, you don't even want to see this. He said they were held there. And he said, you knew they were chained. He said, but you don't see the chain because it's some type of technology. He said they, these things were up against the wall like this. And he said that he was going up the tunnel. He said they were just all around. Most of everything. And he said, they are so evil. He said, they, they are held there. He said, but as he looked, he said, just their fingers were trying to get to him like this. He said, that's how evil these things in. They're just pure evil. Nothing good. Okay? So, how many of you know, I'm not trying to go to a place like that. Jesus went to that place over three days. And Bill Wise said, after the experience, the Lord told him, he said, we have to wipe you of that. They said, because your body would have never survived the trauma of just that when you came back to planet Earth. That's how horrific that place is. So while we plan games and not living right and not ministering to people, that's what the purpose of the church is, is to, that's why the Bible says, your main calling is the ministry of reconciliation. You need to live your life where you are telling people about Jesus Christ. And eternity is forever, folk. 300 billion years and you still have not started. You're going to live forever and everything that you do in this probation period called planet Earth for 70, 80, 90 years, all that you do, everything you do determines how you live for eternity. And you can literally, that's why the, our, the, the graphic that we have, it says eternity, write your own ticket. That's a trip to be able to write your own ticket how you live for eternity. I'm not half-stepping. I wasn't before, but when I studied this, I realized, oh, I got to get some stuff together, man. I'm not going up there living in a tent hut. Y'all up there in mansions, and I'm down at the bottom floor in a homeless center. Uh-uh, no. 
on the prayer call, Kevin shared, he was read, talking about a book, and it was a book by a particular uh, um, Hispanic gentleman. I can't remember his full name. I think his last name was Ramirez. He's an evangelist now. And he had a close friend, and the friend ended up dying. And he said that, uh, he, said that um, he had a dream, and he said in the, in the dream um, um, that he was hand-delivered a letter from his friend who was in hell. And the letter, and let me see, this is the type of stuff that God creates in order to shock you out of your apathy, as they say, your laziness, okay? And it was a letter written from his friend from hell, and it was rebuking him. How come you didn't tell me about this place? We hung out every day, okay? So, so yesterday at, on the call, I didn't have time. I was just really behind, so I just looked up something, and I came across something where this lady, she had the same type of experience where um, she had a friend of hers, used to hang out, but then they kind of parted ways. And then she found out that her friend died in a car accident. And she said that uh, she had this crazy experience where she said she woke up in the middle of the night because her door had swung open, her bedroom door. She woke up in the middle of the night and she says, and she said, ah, she just thought, you know, just coincidence, you know. How many of you ever had that happen at home? And, and the door just moves, ooh, and you just look. <laughs> you know, you're thinking, okay, now coincidence, Lucifer, air condition, somebody opened up the front door and it made that door. How many of you been there before? You just pause for a second. All right, here, let me, let me. <laughs> you know, that's what I do. I mean, it, it can be a little creepy sometimes. You know, you're just sitting there, all of a sudden, the door just moves. Uh, you got poltergeist on your mind, the exorcist. And, you know, I'm just letting you know. That's what I think about. I don't get scared. I'm just like, all right, I can set it off naturally and spiritually. <laughs> I wonder if they have news updates in heaven where everybody sits around. Today, <laughs> news at 11. <laughs> Ofa Turbo acted a fool down in planet Earth and got on the news and then... So anyway, so she said, but long story short, she got up out of the bed, walked through the door, and there was a letter that had been placed there. Now, this is a real life scenario. She said the letter was placed there, and when she opened up the letter, she recognized it was the handwriting of her friend, and it freaked her out. So, and I'm going to read to you the letter. What happened was is that her friend went to hell because of her rejection of Jesus Christ. And the angel was instructed by God to force her to write a letter to her friend on planet Earth. See, this is not mystical stuff, folks. This is reality. Okay, we live in a dimension that we can see. Within this dimension we can see, there is another dimension of technology that you can't see. See, I can send you a text and you can be in California, and it's because of the dimension of technology. It is a real frequency that can be measured and used, but you cannot see it. That's the reality of the heavenly realm, the hell realm, and the spiritual realm. It is a real realm, more powerful and real than this one. You just can't see it. The gift of the spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, discerning of spirits. It is some people who have the gifting that God turns it on and they can see into that realm. And it freaks them out every single time. Okay? And so the angel forced her to write the letter. You'll see this in a moment. And then the angel hand-delivered the letter and brought it to planet Earth and, and put it 
in front of her door, and then she read the letter. And I won't mention the girl's name. So here's the letter from the girl that's in hell. On the way home, listen very carefully. This is going to shock you, and this is going to be beyond surreal. I lost it a couple of times yesterday. On the way home one evening, my husband and I were unexpectedly blinded by the lights of a car rapidly approaching from the opposite direction. And my husband lost control of our car. How many know you need to be ready at all times? You can be in an airplane, you can be in a car, it can be a straight bullet. That's why I don't like New Year's Eve, because people are shooting those bullets. Well, guess what? What goes up must come down. If you're going to shoot, shoot into the ground. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about something. Okay, so my husband lost control of our car. Jesus, I shouted, not as a prayer, but as a scream. I felt a crushing pain, trifling in comparison to my present torment. Then I lost consciousness. So in other words, now she's writing this from hell. She says, now when the car accident happened, I was in pain. But that pain is trifling compared to what I'm feeling right now. At the moment of my death, I awoke from a darkness and I found myself suddenly enveloped by a blinding light. It was at the same place where my body lay. It seemed almost like a theater when the lights suddenly go out. The curtain noisily opens and a tragically illuminated scene appears, the scene of my life. I saw my soul as looking in a mirror. I saw the graces of God I had trampled underfoot from the time I was young until the final no that I had given God. I felt like an assassin brought to trial before his victim. Repent? Never. Did I feel shame for my actions against God? Not at all. That was my private judgment. The invisible judge spoke, depart from me, and my soul swiftly fell into the place of eternal torment. Yeah, that's, we got sound effects now. Okay. Now this is where it gets serious. She said, do not pray for me here because I am damned. Do not think that I am telling you this and certain circumstances and details about my condemnation as a sign of friendship. Here, we no longer love anyone. I do this on the command of that power that never desires evil and always does good. Do not be surprised that I should say this. We all think the same way here. Our will is hardened in evil. Even when we do something good as I do now in opening your eyes about hell, it is not with any good intention. For us, everything is torture. Everything we came to understand at death, every recollection of life and of what we knew is like a burning flame that torments us. All of these memories only show us the horrible sight of the graces we rejected. How this tortures us now. We do not eat, we do not sleep, and we do not walk. We are enchained in spirit. We reprobates stare with terror at our misspent lives, howling and gnashing our teeth, tormented and filled with hatred. Do you hear me? Here we drink hatred as if it was water. We all hate one another and more than anything, we, help, we hate God. I will try to make you understand how this is. The people in heaven love him, for they constantly behold him in his awe-inspiring beauty. That makes them indescribably happy. We know this, and that knowledge fills us with more fury and hatred. 
On earth, men know God through creation and revelation and are able to love him, but they are not forced to do so. But when God approaches as an avenger and a judge, the soul who rejected him will hate him as we hate him. That soul hates him with all the strength of its perverse will. It hates him eternally by virtue of its deliberate resolution to reject God with which it ended its earthly life. This perverse act of the will can never be revoked, nor would we ever want to do so. I am forced to add that even now, God is still merciful to us. I say forced because even though I willingly write this letter, I cannot lie as I would like to. Much of what I put on this paper, I write against my will. I also have to hold back the many insults I would like to spew out against you and everything. Let me stop here for a moment. Do you remember what I said that how you go into eternity is how you stay? So if you go into eternity rejecting God, okay, then that's a form of hatred. So when you go in there, it's not possible for you to reverse that. You, you become more, you become more full of hatred. You don't have now because you went in as that in, into that state. You don't even have the ability to accept God. You don't even have the ability to try to do anything nice. Know that what she said, I'm being forced to do this. We hate everybody. We don't even love anybody. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Okay. I am forced to add that God is still merciful to us. I say forced because even though I write this letter, I already read that God is merciful even to us here in that he did not allow us to do all the evil we wanted to do while on earth. He had permitted, if he had permitted us to do so, we would have added greatly to our guilt and punishment and chastisement. He allowed some of us to die early as a result of it. Even now he shows us mercy because he does not force us to draw near to him. He placed us in this distant place of hell, thus diminishing our torment. Every step closer to God would increase my suffering more than every step you might take toward fire. Now listen to what this person said. Remember I told you there are degrees of reward in heaven and degrees of reward or punishment in hell. So what he's saying was the ones who rejected God, he still loves them. So while on planet earth, while they're doing evil, he even prevented a lot of them from doing more evil than they wanted to so that their punishment for eternity wouldn't be as bad. Y'all see the goodness of God? That even when you reject him, he still, you know, he, he prevents you from doing it. How many of you, some, most of you, if not all of us in this room, have got ready to do something and you didn't do it? Might have been robbing a bank. You know, you might have seen somebody's purse. I mean, but there are some things you did. But then there are some things that God did not allow you to do. You remember that king in the Old Testament? Abraham lied because his wife was so fine. He said, now look, when we go into this city, tell the king that you're my sister. Because if they know you're my wife, they're going to kill me. And so I would think they would kill you if it was a sister or a wife, if they just want a girl. But anyway, I mean, you know, when you get afraid, when you get afraid, you start doing and thinking stupid stuff. So that sure enough, the king brought the woman into his household. And then it says, God came to man in a dream. He said, mafia talk. He said, you're a dead man. He said, because you've taken another man's wife. And the king said, he said, I didn't do this on purpose. I did this out of the innocence of my heart. And look at what God said. He said, yeah, I know you did it out of the innocence of your heart. That's why I prevented you from having sex with her. Because it would have killed you. See, so so even when it comes to those who will reject God on this planet Earth, 
He knows they're going to reject. He still because he can't stop the torment. That's beyond him. He had to break his law for that and mess up everybody. How many know that's a seriously straight up merciful God that knows you're going to hell, but is still going to prevent you from doing evil. So you're not tormented in hell as much. And you can't serve somebody like that. You don't care. You be my guest. You go the other way. I don't want to be here. Some people there. Let me say something. There is no such thing as darkness overcoming light. You either kingdom of light. Anything that you do in life is in the put a, put a category of light, put a category of darkness. The only reason why darkness has some movement is because there's no light. Whenever you turn the light on, there's a reason why God created light and darkness to show you the difference between wickedness and evil, right and wrong. Okay. When you turn on the light, you don't have to beg darkness to leave. Dark light just overpowers darkness. But unfortunately, there are some people that they do love darkness. They do. I never believed in the action of the devil, but now I attest that the devil exercises a powerful influence over people such as he did over me. Only many prayers on the part of others and myself, together with sacrifice and sufferings, would have managed to tear me away from the devil. And then only slowly. I hate the devil and yet I like him because he and his helpers, the angels that fell with him at the beginning of time, strive to make you lose your souls. There are myriads of demons, uncountable numbers of them wander through the world like swarm of flies, their presence not even suspected. Condemned souls like us are not the ones tempting you. This is left to the fallen spirits. In other words, when another person is tempting you to do sin, it's not them. It's the creature using them to get you. Mm. Our torment increases every time they bring another soul to hell, but we still want to see everyone condemned because hatred is capable of anything. I want you to understand what they're saying. Every time another person comes to hell, it increases our torment. But at the same time, we want everybody to come. It is a place where you are completely disoriented. It is a place where you can no longer exercise common sense. It is a place where you can no longer think correctly. It is a place where you can only think negative. You know it's killing you, but you still want it because you can't think right. Okay? So remember one of the scriptures that we read about people that go to hell? It says even their own mothers will forget them. Because in heaven, you are not allowed to even know what evil is. I hate to say this. This is strong teaching, y'all, because you have to face it one day or another. But some of us have relatives that are going down the hill. And when you get to heaven, you won't even remember who they are. Because nothing like that. See, in heaven, not even negative memories are allowed. So in hell, positive memories are not allowed. I don't know if I read it already, but it said we don't even have the ability to use our imagination to think about desires. I want you to think about that. Your thought process won't let you even daydream about good. Even though I tried to avoid him, God sought me out. I prepared the way for grace by the works of natural charity I often did, following the natural inclination of my nature. At times, too, God attracted me to the church. When I took care of my sick mother, even after a hard day of work at the office, which was no small sacrifice for me, I strongly felt these attractions to the grace of God. In other words, as a sinner, when I did things that were good is when the Holy Spirit would impress upon me. See, this is what a son of God does. This is what a queen or a daughter of the Lord does. It was the Lord saying, see, you can do it, even though you don't belong to me yet. Accept me so you can do more. Okay. 
Once in the hospital chapel, where you used to take me during our free time at midnight, I was so moved that I found myself just one step away from accepting Christ and giving my life to him. I even cried, but I didn't commit. The pleasures of the world, however, shortly swept me up in a torrent and drowned out this grace. The thorns choked out the wheat, making the rationalization that religion is simply sentimentalism. The argument I heard at the office, I cast away this grace also like many others. In particular, I let my sarcasm, sarcasm flow profusely at every depiction of hell in the books, the cemeteries, and other places where one could find devils in red or yellow fires with their long tails. Above all, I always scoffed at the fire of hell. You will even recall our conversation about the fire of hell when I jokingly put a lit match under your nose and said, does it smell like this? And you quickly blew out the match. But here, no one extinguishes this fire. Let me tell you something else. The fire that the Bible speaks about is not just a torment of conscience. In the Bible, fire means fire. That is just what he meant when he said, depart from me, ye accursed, into everlasting fire. How can the spirit be affected by material fire, you ask? How then can your soul suffer on earth when you put your finger in the fire? Your soul itself does not burn, but that man as a whole suffers. Got a couple more, and I'll read a shorter letter. It's super short. In like manner, here we are imprisoned in a fire in our being and our faculties. Our souls are deprived of their natural movements. We can neither think nor want what we used to desire. Do not even try to comprehend a mystery that goes against the laws of material nature. The fire of hell burns without consuming. Our greatest torment consists in knowing with certainty that we will never ever see God. How greatly we are tortured by that which we were indifferent to while on earth. When the, light, when the knife lies on the table, it leaves you cold because you see the sharp edge of the knife, but you don't feel it, so you ignore it. But the moment that knife enters your flesh, you scream with pain. Before we only saw the loss of God, now we feel it. All the souls do not suffer equally. The more frivolous, malicious, and resolute was one was in sin, the more the loss of God weighs upon that soul and the more tortured he feels for the abused creature. What you said was true before my sudden end. I had no idea of what hell really is. No, no human being does. And the last statement was, in your pictures on planet Earth, hell might be poorly drawn, Claire, but it can never be exaggerated. And that's how it ended. Okay. So that was a letter. And then here, this one will take about 20 seconds. This was a vision of a woman in fasting and prayer. And the Lord took her there. And her, her um, this was a Catholic nun. And her, the head nun, her name was Veronica. She said, Veronica, oh, my goodness, I see it. Oh, it is a stench. The odor is so horrible. I see a huge pit, and it's real burning. The walls are orange and burning hot. Oh, oh, and I see these horrible creatures. They're clinging to the side of the rocks. Some have wings on them with horrible, and then stops. They look almost human, half human, half animal, but they have pointed ears. And they have, oh, my God, please, blessed mother, take me out of here. Oh, my God, they have feet that look like claws and arms with hair, but they also, oh my God, the fingers have long fingernails. They're like claws. And they have the most horrible grinning expressions on their faces. Now I see, I see the bodies of humans falling, falling. As they fall, they're starting to glow. They're glowing like an orange color, like coals, and they're screaming, help, mercy, mercy, too late, too late. 
Oh, my God. And I see they're going so fast. I do not know where they're falling from. It seems to be raining human beings. Almost like the sky is raining human beings into this pit. And oh, I see, oh my God, I see some are priests and preachers. Oh, I see one, now I see two. I see a cardinal with a hat on his head. And now there are three. I can count them, there are three. They have miters, those are things on their head. Oh my God, it is so horrible. The heat is so great and the stench. I feel like I'm just burning. Now, how many know this is a sobering moment? You can understand why I shouldn't say that. Well, I don't preach on that a lot. I mention it because it does put you in not a false reality, but in a real one. Because it's very intuition. When you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus talked about hell all the time. You know why he didn't want you to go there. See? <clears throat> and so, so, um, um, it's like a friend. You know, if you don't want your child to play with a friend, you always warn your child about being around that friend. And so some people take this teaching as, oh, you're just being negative and, and no, we're trying to save your life. You have to be balanced, okay? You can't, y'all, how many know, sometimes you have to be told, stop eating that type of food all the time. Sometimes you have to be told, no, you can't eat a whole carton of ice cream. Sometimes you have to be told, no, you can't eat a whole pizza and expect to, be, to feel okay. You have to be told sometime by the police, sir, you were doing 80 in a 55. How many know we have to be told? Well, how many know? We don't like to be told. We just want to hear all of the good stuff, but the good stuff turns you into a bum. It's the stuff you don't want to hear that turns you into a master. And unfortunately, that's what frustrates me is a lot of times I'm constantly dealing with people that don't want to hear stuff. And the stuff that you don't want to hear is only going to make you better. And to the degree you don't want to hear it will be the degree that you get held back. Because you don't want to hear it. And God can't trust you when you won't accept and you don't know what's wrong with you. Okay, so when it comes to this teaching right here, it has to be mentioned from time to time so it can shock sinners into the reality of how they're living. And it can shock Christians into the reality of what we should be doing while we live right. Because, you know, it, and, and people, I don't know what it is about people. Now, I don't know what it is. The Bible says that Satan, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan blinds the minds of those who do not believe. And this is very, very unfortunate. I'm not trying to go to a place like that. I'm not trying to go. See, it would be, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm going to say this again because I'm done. I, this is the one part of the problem that I just have a problem with. But guess what? I don't like it. I hate it. But guess what? I accept it because it's the truth. You don't get to accept truth just because you like it. I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, I don't like the fact that they take that amount of taxes out of our check. I don't like the fact that the speed limit sometimes is too low on certain freeways. I was doing 70. Why is it dropped down to 55 now? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't like that I got to tip somebody and their service was horrendous. I mean, the list goes on and on about stuff that we don't want to do. I hate the fact that this month is my birthday and I got to get ready to do this admission test on this old van. And I know they're probably going to try to hit me up. I feel like admissions should be canceled. It's just a trick of the enemy for the people to get money out of our pockets. How many know you got a whole list of stuff that you just don't agree with, but you got to accept it because this is how it is. Well, that's how it is when it comes to God. We didn't create anything, y'all. You were born. That's it. We didn't create air. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm totally blown away at nighttime. Sometimes I just go outside and I just look up at the moon. 
and I just look at the moon, you know, brightly shining in the sky, and I'm like, how could any fool say that there was an explosion in outer space and all of this order happened just with this planet? Do you realize how dumb, ignorant, ludicrous, and stupid, dumb, and crazy you have to be to believe that there was an explosion and all of this stuff just formed? The human body is the most technologically advanced thing on planet, planet, planet Earth. So you're telling me it was an explosion and it just so happened that my eyes are, are right here and, and that the nose has hundreds of thousands of sensory organs to help you smell and differentiate between different smells. Hundreds of thousands of, of these little things on your tongue so you can taste different things and, and that if you close your nose, you can't taste your food and, and, and your ears happen to hear and your ears, line, your ears happen to be here so you can hear what's around you. Your eyes just exploded into your front eyes. We're just talking about the outside of the body. We exploded into this level of symmetry when it comes to the mind and we can just think of stuff. That's what you're just telling me. And yet, these are what the scientists and the mathematicians and the ignorant folks and the agnostics and the atheists are pushing in the universities. Yeah, yeah, that the Bible that says that there's a real God that created this order is stupid. But the fact that what we teach is that there was an explosion that happened and we weren't there when it happened and we don't know when it happened, but it happened. And then all of this order just came into being. The planet right now is turning. It's something like the planet is something crazy, like the planet is racing around the sun. I can't remember. I can't remember. It's the planet right now is turning around like this. It's something like 7,000 miles an hour while racing around the sun at 50,000 miles an hour. And the thing will never fly off its axis. You all realize, let me tell you how fast 50,000 miles an hour is. It might be 20,000 miles, but even 7,000. Let's go low. I always go low when I think I'm wrong. 7,000 miles an hour is so fast that if the entire city of Atlanta, the entire city of Atlanta blew past your house while you were sitting on the front porch, you wouldn't even see it. That's how fast this planet is twirling around while racing around the sun. So the universe exploded, but it just so happened that gravity is in the planet to keep everything grounded while the planet is twirling that fast. That's just coincidence. That's what you're going to tell me. I always use the example again. I'll pull up to Mike's house, and I got a brand new Rolls Royce. Man, this is a nice Rolls Royce. Man, when you get this? Dude, man, I'm, I woke up one morning, man, and I looked in the driveway, and, and I heard this explosion. And, and, and after the explosion, there, there, were, there was this black splotch in the driveway. And, and after a few weeks, that black splotch had evolved into a tire. And, and then the rim inside the tire also evolved. And then the air inside the tire, it also evolved based on this explosion. And then the axle automatically formed itself over the next few weeks and another tire formed. And, and, and then the next thing you know, man, after five years, the entire car had formed all by itself. And when I went and looked at the spectacle, it just happened to be that it, the driver's seat happened to just be in the right place. And the steering wheel just happened to be in front of me. And the gas gauge just happened to be in. And, and the thing to make the seat go back and forward like that, it was just all in the right place based on the explosion. Y'all looking at me like, I get it, preacher. Stop with your cockamamie example. The technology that runs this planet is millions of times greater than a car. You would never believe that about a car, 
but they want you to believe that in your classroom. You can be an idiot and believe that foolishness if you want to. You know, and it's deep. Men believe that the planet exploded while they themselves create everything. Deep, ain't it? The chair you're sitting in, that was created by a man. Building, created by a man. Car you're driving, created by a man. Clothes, created by a man. Jewelry, watch, shoes, technology. All created by a man, no explosions. And that's the reason why the clocks are so orderly because it was created by a man. Your engine works because of order, but it was created by a man. So the man that's created in the image of the creator believes he can create, but the creation became about as a, as a, as a result of an explosion. So while they're creating everything, they said there is no creator. Even though we're made in the image of the creator, he created us. That's called, that's not even insanity, that's something else. And, but they want to make it seem like we're stupid. See, but that's what happens when you live in darkness. You just simply can't see. It ain't an issue of you being stupid. You blind. And no matter how many degrees you got when you live in darkness, you just can't see. Y'all with me? How many glad you're on the winning side? Let, let's do this. And how many glad you're not on the stupid side? The dumb side? The ignorant side? The blind side got a PhD, and as Jesus said, you twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I still don't know what that means, but it sounds good. I love that scripture. He said, y'all are twice dead, plucked up by the roots. He said, y'all blind, leading people into the blind. And their stupidity with their education won't allow them to see the true technology of the kingdom of God. Because there's a technology. The technology just in praying in tongues makes mathematics science and engineering and technology look like cavemen knowledge, just the science of it. But the Bible says that God would use foolish things to confound people who thought that they were educated. So since you think you're so smart and I don't exist, I'll create stupid stuff like speaking in tongues that will bypass your technology. They don't even know the testimonies that we walk in the stuff. I mean, I want you to think about you got teams of intercessors that while they're praying, the Lord takes them into the White House in meetings and they're standing there in the meetings and in the meeting they think is the secret. And it's five people from the intercessory team watching all of the secret stuff. The Lord shows it to them so they can come back out of the meeting and then pray so they can be canceled. You know what? Some, y'all want to hear something? Not hear something. Right now, there's a very scary moment. It's called North Korea. Some of y'all been watching it, you? Out the clear blue, the man who said that Donald Trump was an evil, he even called Donald Trump so many names, and Donald Trump to call him a lot of names too. They both, it's amazing to see him and <laughs> he didn't call him a little fat man. And then, you know, Donald Trump good for calling people names, and he loved to call people names in a second. Yeah, Rocket Man. <laughs> I personally love it. And he, Kim Jong going back and calling him an evil ruler, and no, dude, weak me. Okay, so it's hilarious. But he he been setting off rockets, launching, testing nuclear rockets over Japan. And the whole world is like, dude, you about to, you better stop because Trump ain't the one. He will push that button and bring you into the sea. But they were going to have to make a decision because you can't keep testing. And each nuclear test got better than the next. And he was just arrogantly talking. I'm going to kill everybody. We will bring everybody down to the ground. And then all of a sudden, out the clear blue, 
he, he requested a meeting with South Korea and Donald Trump. And this is what he said, I'm willing to be at peace now. He said, I am willing to get rid of all of my weapons and I will comply with all of your demands. And he requested a meeting with Donald Trump and their meeting in May. It's been all over the news. Now it's one of two things. This is either getting ready to be the greatest trick of all time or something happened in this man in his private time based on people praying for that man. Like an angel showing up to his room with a sword, set off more, one more rocket, and we're going to cut your head off and put it on top of it and let everybody see. I mean, all it takes is one of them experience. Y'all be surprised how many people have gotten angel vegetations and they always show up with, they always show up with a sword. Do it one more time. And one person, they, they, I come out of experience and they want to give their life to Christ. Mafia people, drug dealers, pimps. We get, I mean, one lady, she prayed because there's one guy down the street, drug dealer, who's pulling her son into this mess all and over again. And she had just got the boy straight, acting right. Here they come, trying to pull him back in this gang. And she said, Lord, you know those gang members. She said, and she said, you know their future. She said, I can't have my boy going down this path. She said, if they're not going to give their life to Christ, she said, let them be dead tomorrow. Guess what happened the next day? They was both dead. See, we, we keep stuff like this a secret. Okay? Bishop O'Yeah was listening to the testimony of the church this morning, one of his members. Living, living across the street from a witch that was so wicked that their own children avoid them. And, and the person, they got something called the covenant day of vengeance. You should read the Bible about the vengeance prayers that God allows you to pray against the wicked that won't stop. I ain't talking about just people going to the club and smoking weed. Talking about, yeah, man, I met a member of the Illuminati. We ain't talking about that stuff. That stuff we all did. I'm talking about wicked people that pull innocent people into sex slavery and bondage and gangs and drugs and they kidnap you and inject you with hair so that you be hooked on drugs and they use it as a slave. Them type of folk are the ones you rain horror down and they drop dead. But that's not the little Jesus they see on TV with the little breadcrumbs and all that type of stuff. But that's the one I read in the Bible. The, the Jesus I read in the Bible, he was on the cross and he looked at right before he died. He said, now, don't get it twisted. He said, y'all ain't killing me. This is exactly what he said. He said, y'all not killing me. I'm giving up my life. And then he added this one. You do realize I can call 20,000 angels right now to kill all you fools. That's what he said. That's how you die if you're going to die. You didn't realize y'all ain't killing me. I'm just doing this because you already did. You already dead. I got to die to bring you back to life. So don't get it twisted. Can't no dude kill me. I'm just giving up my life. And I love it. He said, I can call right now. I make one phone call. And the Holy Ghost FBI show up. With some weapons that make a comic bomb look like a feather. That's the Jesus I serve. I don't serve no punk. I mean, come on, y'all. I'm just keeping it real. And I don't even need to keep it real because it's the truth. No matter if I'm keeping it real or not, you're talking about somebody who walked in a temple, didn't ask no questions. He walked up in the temple. Hey, he told his boy, hey, man, go get me. Go get me. A, go get me a belt right now. Go get me a rope. Go get me something. They brought that thing. Y'all, how many know the proper thing to do is, okay, y'all, you shouldn't be selling donkeys in the temple and doves, and you shouldn't be playing cards and, and, and shooting dominoes on the ground, all that type of stuff. This is God's holy place. My holy father dwells here. This is supposed to be called the house of prayer. That's what I would do. I would make a request to leave first. Jesus, I say something. He's like, well, well. 
turning over their tables and everything. In our modern day terminology, we would call that gangster. Jesus wasn't no punk. So these little Jesus movies y'all watching on TV, I don't know who came up with this. Somebody living in darkness, that's who that was. I mean, when you, y'all, when you see the stuff that Jesus did, this dude was just off the chain with his stuff. And he was just all over the place. He'd get somebody healed, and then he rebuked somebody. Then they go walk on water, cast a demon out of a man, and, and, and then a blind man walk up to him, and, and he said, okay, well, I'll get you healed. Hold on a second. <sighs> Spits in the ground. Make a mug cake, slap it on the man's eyes, and then go tell him to jump in the river. And then walk off. Do y'all realize if I did that, I'd be on CNN every single day. I know what y'all would do. As soon as I did that, y'all be like, all right, this is the day that my church membership might be over. We're going to see if this happened. Now, if this man don't come back seeing, then you don't need to be. See, but my thing is, is that that can be interpreted wrong. Why you got to spit in the ground and then go tell somebody to jump in the water? You know what I'm saying? That's unnecessary to me. Just lay hands. Just do the nice little prayer thing. You know what I'm saying? Be healed. <laughs> just, no, Jesus didn't care nothing about what you thought. All I need is a few Christians that don't care nothing about what these sinners think. Point that I'm making is, is that you ain't going to never please everybody. You better do what you're supposed to do. And especially when it comes to this Christian thing, psh, I'm good. I don't, I don't care who accepts me, who rejects me. I don't care even nothing about being no pastor. Look, I'm trying to win as many people to Christ as possible. I'm trying to live my life in such a way where I get rewarded for eternity. And I'm trying to do everything that I can to kill Satan. I consider that a great honor. When God asked me to personally kill his arch enemy. And Satan is so that Man, them dudes are crazy. You, we are fighting somebody that's not scared to run up against God. I want you to think about that. These dudes are not scared to run up against God. They're not scared to fight angels. So if you a punk, they're not going to be afraid of you. But if you walk in that Jesus authority, okay, they're still not afraid. They just respect the power. See, let me tell you something, y'all. When that police officer is out there holding traffic and blowing that little whistle and everything, how many of you know anybody can just mow the guy down? You know why everybody respects him? Because they know if you disrespect him, he got a whole nother the police department that's going to converge on your house and blow it up and kill you. That's what the authority of Christ looks like. You don't have power on no demon. They ain't scared of you. But when you use the name of Jesus Christ, they understand he is the creator of everything, including the hell that we're going to live in forever. So when you stand strong, we can't run up against you. Because if we do, you got the whole throne at your back. That's what it meant by when it says angels will come and strengthen Jesus. Okay, so they remember the Bible says what you do on earth, we'll do in heaven. We'll back you up. Hey, I want you to think about that. You'd rather live for the devil. He's not going to back you up. He'll back you into a corner. That's what he'll do. Somebody shared with me a situation recently about somebody that needs help, and I'm going to ask this out because I don't want the person to hear it. But, you know, teaching this demonology stuff. I got a person that reached out to one of our members and living with a roommate. I mean, I, I really got to think differently. Living with a roommate, and, and the roommate is demon-possessed. Hadn't, hadn't slept in two weeks. I said, the friend walked into the room, at, you know, after two weeks of them not sleeping, how you doing? 
So their eyes rolled back and they said, oh, we're fine. That's what, when, when, that's what, let me tell uh, somebody came to me at the end of service yesterday with a relative. It's, you, 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 there, there are signs there. And they said, man, my, my brother, he just, he went into isolation. He won't come out the bedroom. And he said, you walk in the bedroom? He just, he just sits there in the days. Yeah, it's called demonic possession or oppression. They always seek to isolate you first. And, 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 and all they, always remember this, they don't want to kill you fast. They want to kill you long because they know the longer you suffer. Watch this. If all of you are my relatives, this is how the game goes. If all of you are my relatives, let's find which we are relatives. Let's find the weak link. All right, let's get in over. Okay. And what we do is we isolate him for the rest of the family members. And we want this to be a low, slow, drawn out type of death because the longer it is, the more it'll frustrate the rest of the family members. So my demise will be your demise, your frustration. Now, the other family members, they will fall into depression over his state because they don't have an answer. Then they'll take him to a medical doctor, and all they do is say, well, he's schizo, he's bipolar, when actually you have a being on the inside of you that's making you crazy. And that's the dilemma of these kids right now. We can calls every week now. It's almost now, it's, now it's almost every other day. Kids possessed. Okay? And guess what the guy told me? I said, what was he doing? He said, I don't know where it came from. He's the music. He said, all day, he had the music in his ear. Always remember this, and this is where I close for real. Whoever you listen to, you are dumping them on the inside of you. And whatever, whatever they carry, you now carry. Whatever's tormenting them will now begin to torment you. Whatever begin to influence them will now influence you. The scripture says, I told you two scriptures last week, where it says, um, um, it says that David played the harp. And it says a demonic creature left Saul. Well, if you can play music and make a demon leave, you can play music and make a demon come. And right now, Satan has that sold up because he got a group of young kids. And if you take how and how they get you is the music. If you take the instrumentals away from the lyrics and you put it in a book of poems, none of the teenagers would listen to that trash. They wouldn't. If you, the, the music that these kids listen to, and adults, the music that they listen to nowadays, all of the filthy stuff where it's just the same old thing, you know, the, the, you know, how much money I got, how many women I got, how many women I pulled away from their husbands or vice versa, how many women I'm running through, I'm a baller, I'm a paper, and, and it's the same trash over and over again, but you listen to it because the music sounds so good. And it's, ha! Ah, I told you about the vision that was given to the man who used to be in the darkness. And, and when he was taken to heaven, the angels took him to a place where music is created. He said, why are there so many angels guarding the place where music is created? And God told him, he said, all music in planet Earth comes from this one spot. It's a creative machine that creates music. He said, he said why are there so many angels? He said, because the demonic creatures, even though they can't withstand the glory of heaven, he said, they catapult themselves up here to just get a glimpse of the sound. And just, they just hear one part and they take it back to planet Earth and corrupt it and give it to the young boys and girls and they pervert the music. And that's why I could hear it. I want certain. I, mean, I remember there's a, oh, there's a there's a song that um, Lil Wayne sang. And when I heard it, I said, that's a worship song. It was just stolen by the dark side. I'm not saying he's dark. Well, you know, never mind. I'm just saying it was OK. And so 
And so if the music, most of the music, if you drop the music and you ask these kids to read this in the book of poems, number one, they would stop reading. You know why? Because it would say the same thing in every poem. Number two, it would be so depressing they would stop reading it. But because this high level music is attached to it, they listen to trash and they become trash and they're dumping stuff on the inside of them. And this is why the crazy youth today don't have no respect for nothing. They don't care. They, they, they look dirty. They nasty. They don't want to do nothing. They full of rebellion. It's because you got a few head honchos that have become their gods. Always remember that. Okay. So that's a huge problem. Huge, huge problem. So you need to be very, very selective. Now, some people, they don't care. They're going to go right back, listen to the same thing, and then they're going to end up with drama. The, one of the biggest issues we have right now is the psychological problems that are coming from the music. Again, if he's a rapper and he got two demons attached to him, when you listen to his music, you have opened yourself up to receive the same thing he has. And many a times you won't know it. You just always think negative. Demons love to hide on the inside of you. You just always think negative. You will be depressed. You don't really have hope. You'll find yourself always being angry. You know, you don't know what you're going to do in the future because that's what they do is they produce hope, uh, hopelessness. And, um, and so the only way for us to solve that problem is, like I said before, the way, only way for us to rescue people is I got to start a war with everybody at the same time. And I got to start with religion first. Because anytime you got men and God in the pulpit, let me tell you something. Right, what time is it? All right, it's 12 o'clock. I'm about to go. It is a travesty when the church thinks that they need the world to accomplish greatness. I don't need their music. I don't need their money. I don't need nothing. If y'all, if God can't do it for you, it can't be done. It just can't. God is asking you to win a war and I'm going to use the tools of the devil to win a war for God. What happened to his weapons? Oh, that's right. You don't even know they exist because you're not deep in the spiritual realm like that. I mean, there are weapons where you can walk past a person that's smoking a cigarette and you say one thing and the cigarette will go out on his own. See, we don't know that in church. All we know is coming to church, singing these little dry songs. Y'all know what I'm saying. <clears throat> see, I can't see when you go back and read Jesus, he's shocked the religious leaders, because he just said stuff like, dude, and Jesus was like, I'm tired of you fools. He said, because the people are suffering because of your arrogance and your stupidity. He's, and, and the Bible says that they were even jealous of Jesus because of his numbers. So the closer you are to Jesus, you're going to have to deal with the same persecution that he dealt with, and that is the persecution that comes from saving people. And right now, I'm willing to look like the bad guy. I'm willing to let other preachers and other people talk about me and hey, say he a cult. <clears throat> I'm a cult because I don't play the same old traditional dry church music that you play. I mean, you're surprised. They say we a cult because of the type of music that we play. Well, I'd rather be a cult then than listen to this mess y'all creating. You can always tell. See, why do you think the teenagers love our church so much? One of the reasons, well, because well, I preach stuff is relevant, but two is because of the music. You can always tell. Go to a typical church and the kid is sitting there like this for the whole service. They're telling you, this is boring. Or another one, for the whole service. They're telling you, this is boring. And the only time they look up is when everybody starts running around the building and they just think it's comical. I'm like, you know what, I was thinking it was comical to me. 
And I'm not saying all of that was out of order. There was a time and season for that. I'm not making a mockery of it. But it's a, the, the problem is we have to preach the same message, but with a different flow. Everything has evolved in the world except for, in a general sense, the body of Christ. They're still using red carpet and wooden pulpits. And then they say that because we got a dark sanctuary and LED lights all over the wall at our site of location, that we're being too progressive. And, 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 you know, and I don't believe in worshiping with the lights off. That's why I put that statement up. It don't matter if you worship with the lights. Do y'all actually think God, let me, let me ask y'all a question. I just, I just want to meet Jesus and me. I, I, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. And this is where we close for real. This is my fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth close. I want to make sure I'm crazy. Y'all, do y'all remember in the Bible where it said God is the father of lights? Uh, do y'all remember when it says that we are sons of light? Do y'all remember when it says that you are lights in a dark world? Do y'all remember when it says don't put your light under a bushel but let everybody see it? Do y'all remember the scripture that says God clothes himself in light? But now we out of order because we use LED lights in the sanctuary and have it dark? See the stupidity of that? Like God is going to send somebody to hell. The first thing he created was light. And now because we get fancy with the lights, that's not worship. Okay. I just, and, and same thing with the music. Uh, um, I need y'all to turn to um, um, uh, music chapter 15, verse 7. And hit that play button because apparently that's the way when you hit the play button, it tells you what church music is supposed to sound like. There's no such thing as church music. It's either music that is in the category of light or the category of darkness. You know, such thing as church music. But they created that one sound and everybody repeated that one sound. And because everybody heard it every time they went to church, everybody said that this is called church music. No, that's just the raggedy music they play in church. And it is raggedy. I'm so tired of hearing them Dracula organs. <laughs> Uh, you know, you go to eat, man, and they play that thing, and I'm like, is this a church service or a funeral? It's supposed to be light. You're supposed to come in there dancing like, oh, yes, we're in the presence of God and rocking your head and everything. Like, like Terry, Terry, get her nightclub on, day club on, every time she had to have a location. She'd be down there getting it in. No. These dudes, they play that music, dude, especially during the offering time. Play that music. Go ahead and play. Well, you might never play it because I don't want to mess up your recording. I mean, they play that offering music. He's been in church all his life, so you know how to play. And, and they play it, they play it with that arthritis hand, you know, and, 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 and they start, well, you know, the Lord, you know, um, it's time to give, saints, it's time to give. And you know, the Lord is able. And he said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And that might be real. And when you do that, the old grandmother, That was for them. See? No, look at y'all. Some of y'all. Ah, see? Now, some of y'all that grew up in church like I do, you can still groove to that. But guess what? When it comes to these teenagers and these people in their 20s and 30s, they list, they used to with that music that's driving you. Ah, ah. They don't respond to that. They're like, what is this? Is Dracula the guest speaker today? Man, you can't win the world being religious. 
you got to be completely creative and in the midst of it, preach the unadulterated word of God, truth. Jesus is the only way. Live your life for him because how you live your life for Christ will determine how you live forever. And then in the midst of that, y'all, I'm sorry, what he just played, you're not going to hear that stuff in heaven. Even the sound of it does not have a life to it. It's more of a depressing type of, well, you know, it's time to give and we don't have no money, you know, and we've been trying to raise an offering for the last 10 years to get some new chairs and, and, and I'm, uh, yeah, I know y'all not going to give, but I'm going to just do this anyway and make y'all feel bad. I mean, that's what it, that's what it sounds like. Let's go ahead and stand, y'all, before I mess this up. Thank you, Father. AJ, can you still put up that 1 Corinthians chapter 3 scripture? She put it up, but I'm going to start reading it now. It says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Paulus, aren't you acting like people of the world? Back then, they didn't have names of churches, so you just called yourself, I'm a member of Paul's church. It says, we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your heart, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Both will be rewarded for their own hard work. But we are both God's workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. So we got comical, but the seriousness of it is, God has called us all to depopulate hell by any means necessary. And with that, as you go out and you minister, because you have people who you get a list of people, you should be praying every day for your relatives that are not saved, family members and friends and neighbors. That place is so horrific, God did not want Hitler to go there. That's how bad it is. And Hitler was a wicked man, one of the most wicked men in planet Earth. But some of you will pray, some of you will invite people, some of you will witness to people. You need to learn how to do these things. If you're interested in it, we have an evangelism team that goes out on Saturdays. We also have them going on Sundays. Here soon we'll have somebody out there seven days a week to depopulate hell. But always remember this, you are the seed sower or you are the planter, but God is the increaser. Because when you talk to people, when you invite them to church, when you try to witness to them on the street or whatever else, and if they don't take the bite, the devil will come in and say, see, you're not good at this. See, nobody is accepting what you have to say. You look like a fool. You sound like an idiot. You don't speak well like Moses said. It's amazing, y'all. Do y'all know that when Moses was in the Egyptian temple, he spoke well, but when he left, he couldn't? The Lord said that's how Christianity is. In the world, we do it 100%, but when we become Christians, we didn't have excuses why we can't do stuff. Nobody had excuses about going to the club. <clears throat> so, when you do these things, remember that you are sowing the seed, you are watering it, and God gives the increase. Okay? I've, uh, there are people you talk to and they'll say, sir, I don't believe in all that crap. And they'll go to the car and weep or just sit there and stare out in the distance because they know it's right. And I forgot to share this. Close it with this story that I shared yesterday about a Jewish woman in Detroit. The Lord called her car, caused her car to break down about 11 times. And each time it broke down, it broke down in front of a Christian's house. We know this because a minister's friend of mine said that her car broke down on the 11th time at his house. So he went out there, he called a tow truck, 
he tried to minister to her about Jesus and she said, this is amazing. She said, my car has broken down this many times in three months. And every time it has broken down, it broke down in front of the house of a Christian. And she says, they've all been trying to get me saved. And he said, he took his fist and did like this, ma'am, you hard-headed. But here's the thing that you want to understand. The first per person that witnessed to the lady, she didn't bite. So guess what? They feel bad. The second person, they ministered to the lady, she didn't bite. So now person one and two feel bad. The third person witnessed to the lady and she didn't bite. Now all three feel bad. All three feel bad, but they don't even know that they're just part of a formula that God is using to keep hitting her with different individuals. So by the time she gets to the 12th person, she will then accept the Lord because she's like, it's obvious that God is trying to get to my attention. So when you minister to people and they don't take the bite, not being offended, you still to get the credit as though they gave their life to Christ. Because the Bible says you are the planter and you are the waterer and God is the increaser. So you get the reward for planting and watering, not increasing. Watch this. If they happen to accept the Lord when you pray with them, it's only because of the 10 people prior that watered and planted. So even when you lead them to Christ, don't get arrogant, recognize that I was part of a scientific formula that God used to snatch this person out of their spiritual prison. And that's the most wonderful thing is that we get the reward for trying, not the result. I can do that all day long. Okay, so let's lift your hands, give God thanks and praise. Father, we bless and honor your holy and majestic name, God. Thank you, O Lord. Praises be unto thee, O Lord God. Mm. Thank you, Father God.
Now, just in case, I'm going to lead everybody in the prayer of salvation, rededication. Lisa, Prophetess Lisa, even gave me a word that the Lord was going to require us to do it that way sometimes in the future for several different reasons. But if you're here, you don't know the Lord, you want to give your life to Christ, you want to accept the sacrifice for your sin, for your eternal judgment so that you can live forever, or, you're in, or you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, or if you're not sure you're saved, all of those things. Okay, as my pastor says, if you are not saved, you are not safe in any form or fashion. So we're going to cover that today. We're just going to say a mass prayer. We're going to have everyone repeat it so that you won't feel isolated if that's you. Okay, everyone has to come this way. Okay, Romans 10, 9, it says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus came and died for your sins, God raised him from the dead, it says, you shall be saved. It says, with the heart man believes, and with his mouth what he believes is turned into his salvation. 1 John 1, 9 says that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when God cleanses you from all unrighteousness, it means you can only be righteous. Christianity is simply God making us sons and daughters. People say we're all God's children. That is unscriptural. It says we are all created by God. 1 John, John 1, 12 says, as many as received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God with all full rights and privilege as the firstborn son, Jesus Christ. So we're going to all repeat this together for those that might be repeating it for the first time. And if that's you, you need to repeat it along with us because God will change you where you stand. He will come into your heart, wash away all your sins, and you'll be set on the path of greatness. So let's all repeat this. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that Jesus is the sacrifice for my sin. He is the price for my judgment. Therefore, I accept him as my sacrifice, as my replacement. I thank you that you are forgiving me of my sins and my mistakes. You are washing me completely clean. So I thank you that I am cleansed, forgiven, and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, and my Master. And I thank you that right now, according to your word and my confession, I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am set free. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. And I will live with you forever and ever. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give God a shout for that. We bless and honor your holy name, O oh God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God, hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Now, if you repeated that prayer, either for the first time or you rededicated your life, we encourage you to uh, let us know when we end the service and say, hey, I prayed that prayer for the first time. And then we have uh, some material that we'll give you to set you on the path so that you can move forward. Best decision I ever made was in 1993 when I went to a church that today, I still don't know how I got there. I would drive, the church was three blocks from my house and I was a member of a Baptist church at the time. This was a Pentecostal church, fairly large. And I would drive past the church and I would always say this, man, this sure is a lot of fine women to go to that church. And that's not the reason I went. Even though God gets brothers to the church that for that reason too. 
I would always say that, but then one day, I just remember getting up and the next scene is I was there. I don't know if I was translated there or I just couldn't remember. And I remember being there because it was the first time in my life that I saw people engage God. I came from the Baptist church where you had the deacon and the choir marched in and people just sat there. Maybe a couple of people who were really into it stood, but most of the time all this just stood and watched. And to see those people worshiping God like they were in heaven and grown big burly men worshiping God and their deep voices with their hands up. And, and I sat there just like this, almost scared because I had never seen that before. And, um, and what drew me, and it really scared me, but what drew me back was I heard the word for the first time in my life. And it was the word that brought me back. And I eventually got used to everything else, you know, you, you start here, you know, and then my hands would move up like this, looking around, nobody's looking. And, and then you throw up one hand and everything. And, then I was hollering and screaming with the rest of them. And that's called process. And God knows you have to grow into it. So as a Christian or somebody that's rededicated your life, you have to grow to it. As a, um, a Denzel Washington said in the movie Equalizer, it's not about perfection, it's about progress. And so we, at this church, we can show you how to progress at phenomenal rates of speed. Um, once you begin to come in contact with heaven, you, will you won't be willing to. You will begin to reject this world because you realize when you get one glimpse, one experience, and you begin to see and your eyes begin to open. Uh, you remember the Matrix? When he first came into, out of the Matrix, he got in that black Lincoln, and, uh, um, and Morpheus said, amazing, isn't it? He was like, yeah, this is crazy. That's how it is with heavenly things. When you start getting a glimpse of it, um, it just changes everything. And so I'm glad I made that decision. So I'm gonna be glad you came to church today to hear these things. You know, it was a tougher message. We have to hear tough stuff to keep us.